Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Craig Bowlerjack coming up here momentarily. Does it, does it ever get confusing, Gordon? Uh, because in your personal life, Lisa calls you Bowler, but yet we work with Bowler. Does that get weird ever? Well, first of all, she has never called me Bowler. That was uh, you guys forced me into saying that uh it's never happened no so, no it has not so because that's so it, not what you said though yeah but you think uh you think college athletes should be paid too right uh no i don't actually i did but, however but, but but you said it i don't remember saying austin anything. don't you don't don't you recall that perhaps uh jake uh, may have said that uh, Austin's a little busier. I think he would have played yours first. Uh, I did, however, online on the old social media, did see that picture that Lisa just put out of the two of you. It's very nice. It's a nice picture. Mm, I haven't seen it. but uh, You look good, buddy. You look good. You look happy. Happiness looks good on you. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's jump out to the uh, let's jump out of the sprint special guest line. Joining us now, of course, the television voice of the Utah Jazz. Not to mention our good friend Craig Bowler, Jack, with us here on the Big Show. What's going on, Bowler? Guys, how are you? We're good great. to hear from you. Good, good to hear from people. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, <laughs> hey, it's it's Gordon's thirty seventh wedding anniversary, Bowler. How about that? Oh my goodness, Gordo. Yeah. Thirty seven. Thirty seven years. What do you got planned tonight, if I could ask? <laughs> uh, what do we have planned? Uh, see, this is something of a failing on my part. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> because I thought under current conditions, uh, there, uh, uh-huh. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't know, you know, if anything was appropriate to do, uh, but. If you have any last-minute suggestions, let me know, will you? Gordo, man, you still at Jake, right? It's 5, what, 5.10? You can still make a phone call and have a, a quick pickup at 6.15 in the sense of food or some, some something, something to surprise her. <laughs> and then take that home and say, relax, I got it covered. Yeah, Gordon, uh, uh, get her a Big Mac and some large fry and there you know, go. have yourself a romantic dinner. I'll see, I'll see what I can do just to see if she'll call me bowler. <laughs> but now she Lisa's she pet me, name for me is Bowler. Yeah, she said, yeah. She said she said to me earlier that uh, uh, she recommended that we go for a drive and uh, maybe pick up nice. pick up some food. So yeah, that's what good, good, from. good. Go up to the mountains, Gordo. You're romantic at heart, and uh, just go um, go cuddle in the in, in the canyons, right? Uh, yeah, I guess that that sounds pretty good. Look, I am wildly in love. With, I'm wildly <laughs> in love with my wife. She looks as good as she did, probably better than the day I married her. And what's not to like, right, Bowler? The question, though, is that everybody, Jake, you know this. Everyone asks Lisa, though, how good do you look <laughs> on the first day that you two met? To compare to the day. Hey, honey, how do I look compared to the way I did the first day we met? Right, right. Uh, she says better, but she said it with a laugh, so I'm not did sure you? that that... Mm-hmm. 
I love her. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's good. I, you look great. We're lucky, you look great. We're lucky, we're lucky man. Aren't we? Yeah. All of us. Well, Austin, Jake, Jake, Jake joined the you, club. And, me. You bet. Yeah. yeah, Jake, you know, I love uh, I love your uh, – well, you haven't put out a tweet lately, right, with uh, the record, the no, record album. We we haven't done Sadie Selections for a little bit. I, I figured after – I think we did 25 consecutive days, we'd give her a break. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it was fun. A, yeah, it was fun. She's uh, she's growing up, man. It's amazing how fast it happens. Way too fast. Uh, Even more so in, in uh, quarantine. So, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, certainly love spending a little more time with her. That's for sure. Well, Bowler, let's uh, let's talk a little basketball. Gordon and I were just touching on this. Uh, Steve Kerr said that he and the Warriors are operating under kind of the idea that uh, the, they're moving into off-season mode. In fact, they said they even had season-ending inter- uh, interviews with their players last week. And Gordon and I were talking about that. That actually makes some sense because Golden State, is not going to the playoffs, and if the NBA were right. to resume, it'd likely be only playoff teams, right? Wouldn't you think? Yeah, exactly. It makes sense to me. San Antonio would be in that mix as well for the first time, what, in 23 years that Pops hasn't uh, put the San Antonio Spurs into postseason play. So, yeah, that makes total sense. You might as well go into postseason mode if you know uh, that it's going to be. And maybe, again, they've been tipped that the final – 18 games, at least that's what the Jazz have uh, had. And that included the OKC game that night that um, if they were going to pick up the season, it would be in playoff mode. So that would mean maybe he knows something that isn't known publicly. It makes kind of sense. But, yeah, sooner or later, right, guys, you have to move on and look ahead. I mean, you can kind of set, you know, idly by and, you know, you know you're kind of like being thrown in the pool and you, you just kind of sit there and you know, tread water for a while, but sooner or later you got to make a decision, you know, sink or swim. So, right, I mean, I, I know that's a crazy analogy, but yeah, you got to move forward in, in some way. And I, I would think, why not? If you know you're not going to be a part of the postseason, then go ahead and look forward to the draft and, and hopefully what's ahead, um, you know, hopefully it's not that far down the road, but you never know. You think the league is a whole bowler at some point will 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 adopt a similar philosophy that don't don't finish out a season or postseason in order well in order to have it that would somehow adversely affect whatever comes next. You know that's got to be part of the plan, right? Um, I keep hearing you know that Adam Silver has plans A, B, C, and D, and maybe even more. I think you have to to be well prepared for every scenario. Gordon, but you know we're not privy to that. But I'm sure there's multiple, you know, directions that the league can go depending on, you know, the status of the country and the curve, and you know what the league owners want to do as a whole. You know, some people are more aggressive right now than others, and uh, you know the last thing I heard was you know the league pushed it from Friday, May 1st, now to May 8th, where teams have potentially, I guess, the option. Depending if they, you know, talk to their, you know, state health advisors and what to do with practice facilities, and I have no clue, guys, what the Jazz will end up doing. You know, it's a big step. Let me tell you, I think that once you make that decision, then you commit um, in a lot of ways to put players back on, you know, the floor. I think it was four at a time, but also there's a risk factor there. So whatever that decision is, sooner or later is going to have to be made. 
and you're going to have to try to deal with the risks, and it's it's a difficult decision. I, I can't imagine trying to make it uh, just barely what, not even two months in. I mean, you know, March 11th is still in my head, and we're going into into May. So I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens and if there is some sort of a, a, a curve that flattens or if some of the aggressive nature of some states, you know, kicks us back up into a little different high gear. So all I can do is just hold on and wait, and I think that's all, that's all we can do. Well, I want to ask you about the latest two episodes of the Last Dance documentary. That episode yeah. three was surrounding Dennis Rodman. What are, what are your memories of Dennis? What, how did you view him when this was all going on? Because, of course, remember the history oh. with the Bulls. But when Dennis was dating Madonna, that was during a, a jazz playoff series, if you remember. What are your thoughts on the it word? It was. You know, here's what I remember about that. Um, when I was at KSL, we were given the task of tracking down Dennis and Madonna. And I remember this quite well, that there was a limo driving around. And, I'm, I'm, you know, this has been a few years ago, but the best recollection I have is the rumor was that at Triad Center, there's a back entrance downstairs, and there's these two big steel doors that open and allegedly the rumor was that that car holding Madonna went down that ramp into Triad Center. Now, I don't know if that's actually gospel, but I do know I did a live shot that night, and I did find out, uh, which is a much looser PR, and you know there was no social media back then, but you can kind of just say, hey, what do you think? Where's Madonna sitting? And you know somebody would kind of say, yeah, right there. So I did a live shot at the second chair in off the Bulls bench baseline. And that's where I told Madonna would be sitting that night. And I'll never forget that. It was, for me, it was one of the most interesting, kind of comical, but yet my first taste of Hollywood meets the NBA and the love affair, which was short-lived, right? If I'm not mistaken, between Rodman and, and Madonna, but... Man, the place was on just fire that night, knowing this icon of Madonna was going to be in the building and that she'd actually had interest in Dennis Rodman, who you remember. And you could see in the documentary series, I mean, the guy, you know, is passionate, but also I think he's always had some issues at hand, right, to deal with Um, his basketball skill was pretty well respected by many, but also he was an angry guy. Um, and I think that Jerry Sloan clip I saw today on Twitter was perfect when he got into it and threw Stockton down, and those two guys got into it, and Jerry was throwing a kiss at him after uh, he threw a finger back at uh, Sloan and was escorted off the court. That was prior to, I believe. But, yeah, that relationship with the Jazz and Rodman was quite interesting all the way throughout his entire career, San Antonio included, the hair, uh, just just the, the way that he held himself. He, he motivated himself, Gordon, I think, and Jake. If he was the stranger, the better. And I think he just really worked, you know, into getting into players' heads. And he was, an, you know, he was a tenacious rebounder. There's no doubt about that. And he knew, I think he said in the, in the documentary, he figured out who he was and what he could do best. Pardon me, what he could do best. And that's, that's, what, that's the direction he went. He got into guys' heads, and he rebounded, and he was very physical, and it, it worked pretty well for him. I'm trying to think of what it would be like if uh, 
if uh, one of the jazz players had asked for a vacation in the middle of uh, <laughs> the middle of the season, bowler. Right? Uh, oh my sure. gosh! You imagine what Sloan would do at that time, or even Quinn today. But my gosh, can you imagine that? Carl says, "Coach, uh, look, Kamalone uh, got to do what he got to do, and I'm going to Vegas." <laughs> and then John Stockton runs down to Vegas and, and goes through the entire casinos to try to find Dennis to bring him back. Oh my gosh, what a story! Bowler Rex Chapman on Twitter basically said the late 90s Utah Jazz were just like the 80s Detroit Pistons when it came to playing dirty but just didn't get the press. Your your reaction to that opinion? Reaction. Well, you know what holds true? I mean, I still hear this when we travel is that, you know, John Stockton's um, play is always kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, great, great great point guard, uh, the greatest of all time, Gordon, and pound for pound. But, you know, assist and steals leader, but also, isn't that funny, at 6'1", 175, 180, he was the dirtiest player in the NBA. I mean, I find that almost comical after what after watching what the the Pistons were all about during that day with Lambeer and, and what Rodman put on the floor, I almost find it comical. They were tough. But to, not to that degree, at least for my chair. I mean, Stock was a tough nut. There's no doubt. I mean, you couldn't crack him. And Carl Malone was known for an elbow or two along the way. But you know what I saw in, those, in, in that documentary last night, guys? The physical play was unbelievable compared to what is going on today. I mean, we couldn't play basketball today. I don't think there'd be enough players left on the floor. After what I saw again in reviewing back in the 80s and 90s on just how physical the game of basketball actually was. And it fits Sloan's personality, by the way, by the way, perfectly on the way he coached. And I think, you know, Stockton was just an extension of who Jerry was and how he played in Chicago. But I tell you what, the, the fouls, the non calls that were going on during the course of that time was unbelievable. And, uh, you know, today is a totally different game, totally different. Bowler, you and I uh, were covering all that back in the day. You've seen it all. Did you prefer it the way it was then, or do you like the game better now? I don't mind guys um, mixing it up. I really don't. I'm more kind of an aggressive-natured guy in that regard, maybe from football. And I I, kind of just have to just shake my head when I see a hand check foul or a little body bump and we have to stop play. I don't think the fans are that intrigued by it. Maybe I'm totally wrong. But you know what? You can't play the game just as Jerry would say. You know, you put your uniform on and you go out and play a game that's physical. I mean, big guys play this game down on the post. But also it's changed a lot since then. Gordon, the, the game has changed with, you know, five guys who go out and shoot threes you know there's the dinosaur ages of big guys going down and just beating each other up in the paint uh there's only a few that remain but they also can take their game outside um i don't see a problem with some physicality i don't want it to go overboard but you know what that's you want position you own that spot you ought to have a chance to to take it and i just think the league is more offensive-minded. There's no doubt. I think everyone will agree that the three-ball is an ooh-and-aw shot and that that battle underneath just isn't as entertaining. But, man, looking back at that uh, that documentary last night, 
uh, I got a real taste of what was, and uh, I personally didn't mind it. Well, to your point, Gordon, or excuse me, Bowler, what's interesting is uh, is Michael Jordan, after that series with the Pistons, before they won, the year before where he got beat up so badly, his reaction was, wow, I've got to put on weight and be tougher because I want to administer pain, not take it. Right. Whereas today, yeah. it's about manipulating refs. It's not about being tough. It's about how do I get to the line. Great point. I don't think I saw anybody, once they were knocked to the floor by Lambeer mostly and Mahorn and others, but you never saw Jordan put his hands up and beg for a foul or give me help here, gentlemen. It was like, pick yourself up and go play ball. That was really kind of the MO of the league. And if you showed your weakness, then, of course, that would be a soft spot in, in who you are. How about Detroit walking off the floor and not shaking hands? I mean, that was, you know, that was just who they were, man. They were just the, the bad boys, and they, they kept to it of who they really were. It's really an amazing series so far, documentary. You know, it really takes us behind the scenes and the mentality of these guys and just really how much, I think, uh, not a lot of love. Uh, they competed. They wanted, You know what? They didn't want to be a super team. You know what I mean? I think they really did enjoy – getting on the floor and beating each other as a team and not joining forces uh, to make it an easier ride to the top, which is what's happened in the league today. Uh, And you see a lot of guys who do that because the title, the NBA championship, the ring is most likely the definition of your career and your success. And you saw what today or yesterday at his Doc and Malone still are known as the best combo duo uh, never to win a championship. And as sad as that is, it was still some great basketball and great coaching that we all were able to witness, uh, not once but twice. And hopefully, uh, again, another day. You know, you hope. But uh, the league has changed. The game has changed. The players have changed. Because I think, again, uh, they haven't been taught to hold their own. It's been mostly stat-driven, uh, how athletic you are, and how many three-point balls, you know, that you can knock down on a given night. So, uh, where it goes from here, it's, who knows? But I got to admit, man, I did. I, I've enjoyed this series, this documentary, a lot. And Gordo, you're right; it takes us back, right? We were there, and I, I'm really just amazed just how physical uh, those those teams played. And you're right about Jordan. Uh, uh, Jake is getting back in. And says, "I'm going to start punishing people and seeing being the punished." And I thought that was a beautiful little segment right there, to be honest. You know, uh, we talked with Adam Keefe yesterday, Bowler, and I hadn't talked to him in two decades, you know, and uh, it was interesting to talk to him again. But uh, it did take me back in time. I'm stuck in the middle on this whole thing that you were talking about. I, I like sportsmanship. I don't like to see the Detroit Pistons walk off the floor after, right. after the, the Bulls had stepped up to that challenge and swept them. You know, I think that deserves respect, and there's nothing wrong with that. On the other hand, Jake, what you said, it sickens me when guys are manipulating foul calls and all this stuff. Give me a freaking break. You know, go out there and play hard, you know, and don't try to cheat the system. Don't try to to, to, to lure referees into giving you every benefit because you're flailing around like a fish. Uh, it just, I, I don't like that style of basketball. On the other hand, I don't like to see beautiful athletes 
out on the floor who beat their man through some sort of great move, and then to see him get absolutely clobbered and dropped to the court uh, because somebody can't cover them. Uh, so, so I like some physicality. I like some toughness, but I don't like to see cheap shots out on the floor. I, I, I think that's dangerous. No, I think it's a good comment. I mean, I, I don't think anybody wants the league just to shy away and do, you know, the Olay type defense. I mean, I think still, Jake, there's pride, right? There should be right. of protecting your position and uh, where you are on the floor and defending your, your opponent on a particular night. You know, we've come a long way, but the enforcers of old, of the Rick Mahorns and the Lambeers were just, I mean, those guys were like a hockey player who goes in and they basically just put a guy up against the glass, right? And they're there to give punishment. And I think that's what we saw again last night, just how tough and how much they took pride, too. Uh, Detroit took pride in that type of, there was a fear factor. Didn't Didn't you sense that? I think they knew when they walked on the floor, they mentally had you kind of beat uh, in a lot of ways. Just not like I think like the Jazz did too, Gordon and Jake in the day, especially at home at Delta Center. I mean, very few teams could come in there and, and run the Jazz on their home floor because they they were physical, but also the pick and roll was unstoppable with Carl and John. But, you know, I'm all for some competition. I just don't want the league to become soft. I don't have a problem with some physicality as long as it's on the up and up. And, uh, Gordon, I agree. I, I think the league is an interesting situation again, and I'm not a big fan of going to the free throw line 56 times a night when I'm calling the game. And a lot of times players miss their assignment because they're too busy complaining on the other end. And I think, I think fans who watch this game understand what we're talking about. We see it, I think, way too often. Bowler, you are the best. Thank you, as always, for jumping on with us. It's always fun. It's always a great time. It goes too fast, guys. If you need something around 5 till 6, give me a call back. Hey, hey, Bowler, what about an hour next week? You want to do an hour next week? Let's go hour, man. I'm all for it. Absolutely. And I I can't wait till I can jump back in the studio so I can see uh, the reaction. Uh, That's what I like, playing off of – everybody's uh, reaction to a, to a topic. Gordon, good luck tonight. Jake, I don't know, man. We should call him later and check in on See him. how it goes. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to trust Lisa will take care of you, pal. If I don't pick up, that'll be a good sign. Very good. Is that a- <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I promise I won't call after 10. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Buller. And an hour next week. Mark it down. We got it. We'll see you then. All right, buddy. There you go. Craig Bowler Jack with us uh, here on the big show on 97.5 and uh, 1280 The Zone. Gordon, you want me to call you, check in on you later tonight, make sure everything's going okay? I think I think it'll be just fine, but you can if you if you feel like the need. D- did I hear Austin did did I hear Austin hurling in the back? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. A little bit of a, a reflux sound there from Austin. I think we all felt it. We were just so late. The clock. True. All right. We've got Drop of the Day coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. If you missed yesterday's uh, sounds uh, of various uh, clips, then you won't know exactly what we're talking about right now. But that is definitely appointment radio, isn't it?
Sounds of various clips here on the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, also known as Drop of the Day. For time purposes, we might go to Drop of the Day as opposed to Drops of the Day. But I still think it's a fun segment we should do, don't you, Gordon? Oh, yeah, it's always fun. Well, usually. So I I picked today's drop, and I, I thought we'd go with something presidential, but not the current president. I thought we'd go with former President Barack Obama. Does it does it ever bother you, Gordon, when politicians try to latch on to sports teams and are not necessarily like true fans? Like I think oh, that's it, been that's been going on for right, right, right. two hundred years. Does it bug you? Uh, I don't care. Because everybody, okay, so President Obama, I think it's pretty, I mean, he's a basketball guy. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he is. He, he knows basketball. What, his brother-in-law was the head coach at Oregon State for a while. He played basketball. I, I believe that President Obama was a basketball fan. I truly do. Baseball, however, hmm, I'm not so sure. Because he's <laughs> always claimed to be a White Sox fan, Gordon. But listen to this clip, and you tell me if you think President Obama is a White Sox fan. We do have to call you out on something, though. What's that? We said earlier you can take the president out of Chicago, but you can't take Chicago out of the president. You had to pull the Sox cap out, didn't you? I, listen, I, the, I, I, you know, I, I want him, you know, the Nats to do well. I, I, I love them. It's great for the city, but you know, I'm a Southside kid, sure. and uh, I've got to make sure that uh, Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't get uh, get too angry with me. And having played with the White Sox for a short time, I, I know how the Cubs fans and the White Sox fans go back and forth. Who's one of your favorite White Sox players? Players growing up. You know, uh, I, I thought that, uh, you know, the truth is that a lot of the Cubs I like too. Uh, but uh, I did not become a Sox fan until I moved to Chicago because I, uh, you know, I, I was growing up uh, in Hawaii and so I ended up actually being uh, an Oakland A's fan. But when I moved to Chicago, uh, I was living close to uh, what was then Kaminsky Park. Right. And went to a couple games and just fell in love. And the nice thing about the Sox is it's real blue-collar baseball. Right. You know, we always tease about the Cubs. They, you know, they're up at Wrigley and sipping wine. and <laughs> Playing those day know, games. Playing those day games. They're having a good time. President. So, Gordon, uh, couldn't name a White Sox player. Yeah, he and was says, dancing there, wasn't he? Kaminsky Park. Even yeah. the drunk Cubs fan knew who Harry Carey and Alan Trammell were. But yeah, hey, who, was, who was your favorite White Sox player growing up? Duh, um, uh, duh, the catcher. Oh man, I uh, I kind of like the Cubs too. Uh, I, uh, did you well, know actually, I was from Hawaii? I'm an A's fan. <laughs> yeah, why, why? Why being from Hawaii? Are you an A's fan? What was the tie-in to that? Well, West Coast. I don't know. There's he, nine teams on the West Coast. Could you just say, you know what? I didn't become a, a White Sox fan do a little later. Uh, I love Frank Thomas. Yeah. Some any, any Jack name. McDowell. I mean, you could find any White Sox anywhere. Robin Ventura. Name us a White Sox. Uh, well. <clears throat> Let's see. I mean, he knew Jerry Reinsdorf, so he knew the owner. He knew they played baseball. <laughs> yeah, but he was caught in the moment, and he, you know, he, he didn't know what to say, so he he did his dance. And, see, you uh, claimed to be a Flyers fan growing up, and even I could say to you, Gordon, hey, who were your favorite Flyers uh, players growing up? 
Bobby Clark and Dave the Hammer Schultz. Thank you. And Bernie and Bernie Parent, the goalkeeper. <laughs> it's not very hard. The goal. <laughs> when tender. you were actually a fan growing up, I just love that. I I really don't care one way or another. I just love that where they say, "Hey, what was your favorite players growing up?" Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, you, you see, uh, uh, number nine. Uh, uh. Boy, uh, hmm, you know the guy that played the field. Uh, you know, I love was, I love the concessions there was, at the White Sox games. That's what I like. At Kaminsky Park. <laughs> and you know, I I, uh, I am from Hawaii. I, I surfed. It's kind of like <laughs> when we ask Gordon about actually maintaining a furnace. Oh well, the uh, the the thing that that goes into the into the thing, the part that does the thing. That heats the part that heats the thing and that goes into the here and the, 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 the there. And I also like air conditioners a lot, too. Uh, grew up, uh, actually, in, in Delaware where we had a furnace. And uh, <laughs> I, I will say this. that uh, I think I mentioned this to you before. Did you know that Alema uh, Harrington went to the same high school as uh, Barack Obama? I didn't know that. Yeah. I'll bet Alema could name a Chicago White Sox player. Did you Probably know? Could. Did you know that Alema Harrington's father was a television superstar? I did. Yeah, yeah Hawaii Five O. Uh-huh. Do you know you could go down to Hawaii in this one area of the of the airport and still see a 1990s version infomercial running of Alema at, at the, the car rental, rental car? Place? I've seen it. See Hi, it. I'm Alema Harrington. Who still looks? And when I come to Hawaii, I rent from. I don't know whatever it is. I can't remember Alamo. <laughs> sure. <laughs> You know, there's a lot of A's fans in Hawaii. I had no idea. That's that's yeah. I don't get the tie of Oakland and Hawaii. I don't either. Well, he doesn't have to have a reason. I just liked his backpedal. But he said that the reason he said I grew up in Hawaii, so I'm also an Oakland A's fan. That is that's why he said is his reason. That makes no sense. Mm. It's like saying well, I, I grew up in Montana, so naturally I I love the Knicks. He should have said Greg Luzinski. Uh, he should have said the anyone. Yeah. No, well, <laughs> he was caught unawares. Who was your favorite player growing up? It's uh, <coughs> uh, pretty funny. Well, you see, uh, I got the Cubs. Another, the uh, Cubs, yeah, team there. they are a team. And and uh, the A's, they're a team too. And uh, <laughs> Let's see, how can I fill time here? Incredible. God, All right. Foul ball. When's this commercial coming? We'll have more coming up next. The big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Penny Lane, there is a barber showing photographs. Of every head he's had the pleasure to know. And all the people that come and go. Stop and say hello. On the corner is a bank of the Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you for making us a part of your day. We greatly appreciate it. You like the song, Gordon? Theme songs, uh, songs involving roads and highways and streets and stuff. Penny Lane, perfect. Thought Penny Lane uh, was the name of a groupie that traveled with Stillwater. I don't think Gordon heard that joke. I didn't. That was an almost famous joke, but it's all good. (laughs) Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's how we're getting okay. It wasn't that funny, I'm sure. It was pretty good. I'm sure. <laughs> and it was topical because you had just seen the movie. Right. That yeah. was the the whole reason I uh, 
What, okay, say it again. Let me hear it. Oh, I just said I thought Penny Lane was a groupie that followed Stillwater uh, around. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that was the name of her. Yeah. All right. She did, she did a nice show. Uh, let's see here, Gordon. Uh, which... Well, let me put it this way. ESPN asked 20 members of the NBA world, including coaches, scouts, and executives, to rank four young talents based on their potential to lead a franchise. Those four were Luka Doncic, Zion Williams, uh, Williamson, John Morant, and Trey Young. Which order do you think that those uh, finished in in this uh, poll? I think it went to Luka, number one. Okay. Zion, number two. Uh... What were the other two, Morant? And Trey Young. I'd say Morant and then Trey Young. I think you're cheating because no, that's exactly correct. I, I, I'm smart. But that's not the way I necessarily would pick them. Ooh, do tell. I think, I think, I think Morant is going to be a special talent. And I'm not saying the others aren't. I don't know. Heck, man, let me think about that for a second. That's a tough one, really, at least for the top three. I think those guys are all super bright young talents. So you'd put you'd put Trey Young a distant fourth, though? Yes, okay. I would. Do you disagree? No, not necessarily. It just I was just making sure we had the grouping correctly, or uh, correct. I would put Luka number one for sure. This is to lead a franchise? To be a franchise player, so to so be a bona fide number one. Doesn't mean they win a title? No, just most likely to be the best franchise player. Because aren't all four of them currently the number one on their team? Uh, Probably, yep. yeah. So aren't they all already there? Well, successful franchise players. I think you know what they're getting. Okay. Bad, we're, right? we're, we're, we're talking about someone who can lead you to a To title. lead a successful franchise. Yes. Right. Yes. I, I yeah. Luca, I Luca would be number one, and I, it's not particularly close, I don't think. Well, if we make it titles, though, that changes it. How so? Because you could, I, I think John Morant might win two titles and Luca Doncic might win four, but that doesn't mean they're necessarily the right guy to lead a franchise. Yeah, but that's not the spirit of the question. The spirit of the question is who is most likely to provide the success that would lead to a title. It says title in the question. It says to I don't see title makes no difference to me. It says to rank these four young talents based on their potential to lead a franchise. And they're all currently leading a franchise. That's my problem with the question. I need a more qualifying denominator here. No, but which one is the best to lead? Right. I, I think we're getting caught up in semantics here. Rank these four players there. Is that better? Bad question, ESPN. Bad question. <laughs> if only you had more time on your hands to come up with better questions. Would you? T- <laughs> I, I'm with you. I think Trey Young would be fourth in my mind. Luca would be first. It's those middle two. And, of course, they're in the same draft. Do you ever think Zion becomes prolific from outside? I, I don't know. I don't know. That's the honest question. Uh, we'll see. Because he's got work to do in that regard. And I think John Morant is is just a special talent. That guy is going to be good for a long, long time. I agree. Yeah. You know what? I'd go Zion second because he's more physically unique, I think. I mean, Jaws jumping over players. I mean, he's amazing. Don't get me wrong. But well, would you factor in the potential for injury? <clears throat> Probably. Still, I think I'd go Zion too. Luca one, Zion two. So I agree with the, the way that the NBA folks. Uh, it's good it, news it. that it's not an easy answer. You know, I mean, all three of those guys and Trey Young, 
I don't know, I, for whatever reason, I don't want to downplay necessarily what he does, but I, I, I like the other three better. Yep, I do too. And I think Luca's draft will be one of those that we look back on. Not unlike the Jordan draft, maybe not quite as uh, notoriously, to use a word we used at the beginning of the show. Uh, but I, I think they'll look back and go, you know, we'll look back at that draft and go, Marvin Bagley, really? You know? Yeah. And Luca, yeah, of course, and Trey were traded for one another. So that's going to be a comparison that's always made. As time goes by, do you think that uh, that having the ball in his hand will, you know, lean lean the vote toward Morant as time goes by? Because in in the modern NBA, once he's comfortable and once he, he's going to control the game, and some of these big, well, Luca can obviously do that versatility. I really, really like from that standpoint, being able to do a lot of different things really well. And Morant is such an unusual athlete. Of course, you see Zion is too. But like you asked the question, will he ever be able to hit that outside shot? And I don't know the answer to that. And I think Morant is going to be able to do three or four things really, really well. But at his size, Zion might actually be unguardable. You know, it'll be interesting to see how he's refereed. Right. That, that's a good point. If they, you know, if they actually call players bouncing off him, yeah. if he gets the James Harden treatment, or if it's more like the LeBron treatment where he'll just get creamed. Right. And they'll say, oh, you're huge. You're supposed to take that kind of punishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, a, that's, a really, that's a really interesting point. But, but, I mean, let's say that Zion doesn't have the outside shot. You know, like, let's say he's just a 30% three-point shooter, so good enough to keep you somewhat honest. Who do you mm-hmm. guard him with? Do you guard him with like a like a like a big, or do you guard him with? Because you would think if you tried to put a wing player on him, even even somebody stout like a Paul George, you think he'd just back him down, right? Yeah. Or go through him. Yeah. But with a big, I mean, he's so athletic, he can't do that either. You know who might be a good choice is Rudy Gobert. See if he's see. I loved the the Jazz playing Rudy on Russell Westbrook. I loved that. I thought that was a I thought that was a brilliant move because Russ was shooting. What did he shoot this year from three? Gordon like twenty two percent or something ridiculously bad. If Zion were at thirty, he'd be just good enough that you'd have to be honest, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. But would he? How if if? And I can't remember any specific. Uh, instances to point to, but if if Rudy just backed off of him a little bit and forced him to go to the basket, would uh, would Zion be able to effectively and efficiently put the ball up uh, from uh, from uh, you know in the restricted area around uh, Rudy? Oh, I think he's going to be able to get off shots in the restricted well, just, area. Just cut him in everybody. Half? Yeah, I mean, I think he'll just bully his way. And he, you know what? He's got skill. I mean, he's not. It's not like he doesn't have ball skills. What about a tall range? What a guy, What about a guy like Rodman? How would he do against Zion? Now that type of a defender might be the most effective. But how many Rodmans have we ever seen? Right. <laughs> Good point. I mean, there are there are a few players like him. Like Draymond Green's kind of like him, right? Where he's uh, he's big enough that he can guard fives, but athletic enough that he can guard ones. You know, LeBron's mm-hmm. a little bit that way. But it's not like every team has that player. 
Man, I'll tell you, the more I think about it, the more fascinating that question is. Yeah, that is interesting. It'll mm-hmm. it'll be crazy to see how it plays out. All right, big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. We'll have more for you coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrap it up a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott for a Tuesday right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And man, Gordo, it's uh, it's been a busy one. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun, a lot of guests today. And uh, uh, Jake, I don't know. I, I, I feel, you know what I am? I'm in the mood for love. It is your anniversary. So is, that, is. that what you're you're looking for? What do, you, what do you mean by in the mood for love, Gordon? I don't know. I'm just feeling all lovey-dovey here all of a sudden. Come here, big fella. Well, it's too bad uh, you didn't feel that feeling earlier. You might be a little more prepared for your anniversary, like have something <laughs> like, I don't know, a gift. <laughs> or a plan uh, of some sort. Uh, we, My wife and I, we have uh, an understanding for this particular anniversary. Tell that, me uh, only this. That we will. Oh, wow. I have your heart. This, uh, this song uh, was uh, the song that I sort of fell in love with my wife to. Or to my wife with, or something. <laughs> to my wife with? What? what? <laughs> oh, man. Now I'm going to tear up, man. You got me all emotional. All right. We'll wait. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, uh, as I said earlier, smartest decision I ever made. I'm not sure about the decision my wife made, but uh, it has been... It's been a privilege to be uh, to have her as my partner and my best friend. So I don't want to get too too uh, too schmaltzy here, but she's a wonderful, wonderful woman, and it's my pleasure. I, I can't drive by a hardware store and not think of you two. So. <laughs> Least romantic engagement story ever. <laughs> oh, brother. Anyway. That's it. Yeah, right, thirty-seven buddy. years ago today, I was, I was feeling pretty good. Well, you enjoy your anniversary, my friend, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you. Thank well, you. All right, to all the listeners, we'll talk to you tomorrow as well. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty, the zone.